All right, we are moving on to lesson four. Lesson four, I just handed a handout to you on that green sheet of paper that I gave out to everybody. That's just ten verses um, that show that salvation is by faith alone in Christ. Um, it's good verses for you to have memorized or at least have the addresses memorized. So if you're talking to someone and uh, you want to tell them that, you know, and, and show them that salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ, these are ten great verses to be able to show that. I said last time that there's 98 uh, verses in the Gospel of John that, that talk about that and then 168 plus verses in the in the New Testament and then uh, many verses in the Old Testament as well that show that but uh, these are some great verses that you can use as that was one of our questions is to look up several verses that show the response to the gospel message and so those are just for your information, something good for you to have and something good for you to memorize as well. So let me start off with a word of prayer and then we'll get into lesson four. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for tonight and the opportunity to gather together to study your word and to see the truths that are written in it and um, to learn how to present the gospel and ways to take a regular everyday conversation and change it into a life-saving conversation. God, we thank you for your son Jesus Christ, the gift of eternal life, and we thank you for the truths that are, that are found in your word and just help us uh, this evening to know you better and to know your word better and to know better how to present the gospel. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is our goal tonight? That each person will be clear and confident in sharing the gospel. That each person will be clear and confident in sharing the gospel. Over the next two weeks, we're going to look at four different ways to share the gospel. Uh, we'll look at one of them tonight, and then we'll look at three different ways to do it next week. And so, um, like I said, this is that time of the year whenever you can... Uh, Take advantage of what we're learning in here. Take it out into the world. Tell people that you're learning this on Wednesday night. You need to practice on people. And then you can use that as an opportunity to share the gospel, maybe with a friend, family member, neighbor, or somebody like that. But we want to be clear and confident in sharing the message. We'll do that by learning different ways to share the gospel. But first, we're going to look at a review of the gospel message and remember, the gospel message is the most important message. Paul said in, the, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, it's of utmost importance. It's the, the most importance because it's the message of what Jesus Christ did that allows people to believe in Him or, or gives people a reason to believe in Him so that they can have eternal life. So let's think about the gospel message. What are the two parts of the gospel message? That's right, sir. Death and resurrection, exactly right. And where do we find that message? First Corinthians fifteen three and four. Y'all are y'all are pretty bright, you know. Many people they just say in the Bible, but it is in the Bible. But let's go specific. First Corinthians fifteen three and four. And so we see in, the, in that passage there, we see the basics of it, that Christ died, that He 
was buried and that he rose again. And if you go on through to verse 8, you also see the proof of the resurrection in that he was seen by people as well. So let's now think about sharing the gospel, the gospel message with other people. Turn your Bibles to Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8, as we see our responsibility. And uh, later on in the Bible study methods part of this class, we're going to look a whole lot deeper into this verse. So we're just going to hit on it today to see what our responsibility is, but we're going to gain a lot more truths out of it whenever we get to that section of our study. So, Acts 1.8, somebody want to read that? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So Jesus is talking there to his disciples and he gives them what they are to do and it's the same thing that we are to do. And what is that? To be what? Witnesses. To be witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be witnesses. So in order to be a witness, that means that we proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. We proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We talked about last week that we are ambassadors for Christ. Um, and in 2 Corinthians 5.20, where Christ's representatives left here on this earth, and those disciples were Christ's representatives left here on this earth, and they were to be witnesses, we're also going to see that we have the same responsibility as the apostles did to, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. So what three things do we see about the apostles' commission in Acts 1.8? Number one, the question there is, who is the power to fulfill the commission? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the power. What was the responsibility? What was it that they were to do? Be witnesses. And they were witnesses of what? Exactly. They were witnesses. They were actually eyewitnesses of Christ's life his death, and his resurrection. And so they were to go out and and to take that message about who Jesus Christ was and what he did um, to the world. And then finally, where was the location that they were to do this? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, everywhere. So basically to everywhere. And so wherever they're going, they're to take the message. They're to be witnesses everywhere wherever they go and it's neat like i said we'll look at this a whole lot more in depth but whenever we get to the to that study you know we're going to see that the whole book of acts um, is outlined basically in this verse in that we're to be witnesses both in jerusalem and and the the apostles they started there and that's where they were they were in jerusalem being witnesses and then to Judea because of the stoning of Stephen and the persecution, then the message began to spread and uh, to Samaria and then even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Then Paul comes on the scene and what does he do? He goes on three missionary journeys and he, and he takes the messages um, further out. And so there's a lot of information that's in this one little verse, but it's neat, neat to look at. But... 
what are we to do or what who is the power of the holy spirit what is the responsibility their witnesses to be witnesses of the death and resurrection and the location is everywhere so in what three ways does this rate relate to us number one is we have the power of the holy spirit we have the holy spirit living inside of us first corinthians 6 19 and 20 says or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you that you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your bodies. So we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us to empower us to live the Christian life, to empower us to be witnesses. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Whenever he was talking to the disciples, we have that power, that dynamite type power inside of us to proclaim the message. We've already talked about and looked at earlier on, 2 Timothy 1.7, that said, God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. So the, the spirit that God gave us, the Holy Spirit, gives us power. It gives us love. It gives us self-discipline to do the things that we're supposed to do. John 14.26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, who is in you, He will teach you all things, and bring to your remembrance what you've been taught. And so we have that Holy Spirit inside of us, and He's the one who teaches us. But you know what? In order for Him to teach us, what do we have to do? We have to show up to class. You know, I'm the teacher of this class, and you know, you, if, if you don't show up, you're not going to get taught anything. You have to show up to get taught. The same thing is true. You have to get into God's Word. You have to study the Bible. You have to read the Bible in order to be taught by the teacher. But if we're taught by the teacher, that verse tells us that he'll bring to your remembrance all that you've been taught. So it's kind of neat. You're going to the going to the test of life and you stand in front of somebody. And, uh, you know, some of us, sometimes we get scared and like, I'm not going to share the gospel with somebody because I'm just afraid I wouldn't. Know, I won't know what to say. But the truth is, you're taking the teacher with you. He's there with you um, whenever you go out for the test, and so he's there to help you and to, to help you answer the questions. And so he teaches us and he brings to our remembrance. So we have that power. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us, just like those disciples did. Number two is we are to be witnesses. Number two is we are to be witnesses. Now we don't, we aren't like the disciples in that we physically saw Jesus alive, that we saw him, saw his death, that we saw him resurrected and, and walking on this, this earth. But we do see the truth of that, do we not? John 17, 17, thy word is truth. We're witnesses of the truth of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection. We see His death and resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 where the gospel message is given. We see His life, His death, His, his resurrection um, in the gospels. We see His ascension back into heaven in the, in the book of Acts. And so um, we have that same responsibility. And we're witnesses as well as they were. They physically saw it we physically can see the truth that is found in His Word. And then number three is, we are to begin where we are and go to the world. Because that's what we see that pattern is. You begin in Jerusalem, where you are. And then Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
but we need to begin where we are. God has put us in this specific place at this specific time in this specific sphere of people, uh, of influence that we have around us for a purpose and for a reason. And so we need to, to be cognizant of those people that are around us, of people that we think may not be believers, people that are religious, that, that you know maybe look the part, but do they believe the part? And so it's our responsibility to talk to them. And so we begin where we are. You know, many people think in order to evangelize, in order to be a witness of Jesus Christ, then I've got to go be a missionary. I've got to go on a mission trip somewhere. I've got to go to a different country. But the truth is there's unbelievers that are all around us. And so we need to begin where we are. And then from there, we take it to the remotest parts of the earth. We're in a very great place being here in Stillwater, Oklahoma, because what do we have just a few miles away? College. College. Who's there? Everyone. People from all different countries and nationalities and everything. And so if you want to be a witness to the remotest parts of the earth, don't spend all your money flying to the other ends of the earth. Go right here. Because who's up there? Who are the students that are up there? From all over the world. They're people from all over the world, but they're what? Are they the dummies for, of the country? Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're some of the elite people that are going to go back to those countries to set up businesses. They're people that are going to probably be in leadership in their countries and things like that. They may stay here in this country and become uh, something here. And so being witnesses up there is going to give you probably more influence and, and a greater impact in the country as, as a whole as going to a remote place and, and speaking to those people. And so um, we need to just take that. If you, if you see as your responsibility to go to the remotest parts of the earth, just start right up there on the, on the campus because we can make a great impact on the world, touching people's lives, sharing the gospel, discipling um, people right here in our own city. So any thoughts, comments about the power, the proclamation of what we're to do and where we're to go? Who's around us? Anybody awake? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, we know that we all have the responsibility to share the gospel, but the truth is, many people don't. So the question is, why don't people share the gospel? Don't write these down, but let's just brainstorm here for a minute. What are some reasons that people don't share the gospel? I know we're not talking specifically rejection. about you because you're uh, giving this answer. Rejection. But rejection. What else? Laziness. Okay, laziness. <clears throat> I'm always afraid they'll ask me something I can't answer. Can't answer questions? Fear of not being able to answer questions. Making enemies. What's that? Making an enemy. Making an enemy. 
So if I share the gospel with them, they're not going to be my friend anymore. And actually, they may not just not be my friend. They may come come against me and pride. Pride. about self-doubt. Okay. We don't feel like we're worthy enough to actually talk about it. Okay. They'll be concerned for their eternal life. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, selfish is not to share it. I mean, we got something so wonderful that we need to share it. Also, the rewards thing, like not understanding. I don't know. That's kind of deep, but okay. <laughs> also, we're not understanding rewards. Yeah. Assuming it's somebody else's responsibility. Someone else will do it. As Brian's job, will do it, Brian. JB's job. Okay. Anything else? Sometimes you can be afraid that you're going to you know, do it wrong and drive them away from Christ. Okay. So do you mean like you have the wrong message, you just don't know how to say it? That will screw it up. Yeah, you'll okay. mess it up. Somehow. Okay. Sometimes everybody's a Christian, so you think you don't need okay. to share it. <laughs> don't need to. Everybody's a Christian. Or they go to a church. I mean, you talk to them, they're like, yeah, I go to church, you know. Yeah, and that's that's true. You're just too comfortable in the way that you are, and you know, if I stand for Christ, then you know, it may may cause an issue or something. And I'm just rocking along in life, so just let's keep it. Well, there's one there's somebody else would would do it, you know. But the, you know, the thing about there's each number one in this room, there'll be somebody we could reach that nobody else would ever be able to. Exactly. Can so, we have that job? Yep. Okay, we got a we got a good list of great thoughts, ideas, reasons why people don't share their faith, and we'll hit on the three that we have in the book. And if somebody wants to ask a question or something to overcome some of these other ones, we can talk about those too. Um, but number one that we have in the book there is fear of ridicule. Fear of ridicule. And, um, you know, it goes to what Ryan was talking about as well. You know, we don't want to rock the boat. And we just want to kind of go through life. A great example of that um, is found in the Gospel of John. You've got Joseph of Arimathea. He's called a secret disciple. Um, you know, he's 
he's someone who's who's going along, but yet you know he doesn't want to he doesn't want to share his faith. He's afraid he's going to be kicked out of his position of leadership, and um, and so he just kind of goes through life. But if you look at Mark fifteen forty three, what does Joseph of Arimathea do? Him and Nicodemus. Exactly. Ask for the body of Christ. And so, you know, he took courage is what it actually says there. He he took courage and he went and asked for the body of Christ. And so, um, you know, he he took his stand. And so that's what we need to do as well. Number two is fear of not knowing what to say. Fear of not knowing what to say. And that's kind of, you know, goes along with this. Afraid you'll do it wrong. And then number three is we don't care. We don't think about the fact that people are going to be lost forever. And whenever I talk about that, um, you know, I always think about not only are they going to be lost forever, or not only are they going to be separated from God forever, but they're also going to be separated from us forever. And so we need to take that into consideration. So how do we deal with this? How do we deal with this? So these are the three problems. We're going to answer the question, how do we deal with this? Number number one is um, ridicule. So how do we deal with ridicule? And the, the answer to that is recognize that we stand for Christ and not people. Recognize that we stand for Christ and not people. Jesus said it whenever he was here in John chapter 15. You know, if they hated me, then guess what? They're going to hate you. If you're going to live like the world, the world's going to love you because the world embraces, you know, worldish things. But if you're going to stand out, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you want to live for me, just know that there's persecution that's going to come because of that. Another great verse to write down there is 1 Peter 2, 11-23. It's not a verse, I guess it's a passage. But, you know, go look at that. And you, you see the persecution that comes. But then it says that Jesus is an example. He, what all did He give up for us? He bore in His body our sins on the cross. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was crushed for our iniquities. And so if He did all of that for us, then we should be willing to stand in front of somebody and and talk to them and to tell them the good news message of Christ and not worry about them saying bad things about us. We're in a spiritual battle. There will always be those who are against Christ and what we believe. So number two is not knowing what to say. And so what are we going to do? We're going to learn how to share the gospel. That's what we're looking at over these next two lessons. So if you're afraid and you don't know what to say, uh, you're afraid you're going to say the wrong thing, uh, you know, if you have self-doubt, and you're like, you know, man, I just, I don't know, I'm not worthy to say it. I, I just don't know what to say or how to, how to present it. We're going to look at how to do that. And the truth is, you know, we don't have to know everything about the Bible. We stick with the gospel message. 
We stick with the things that we do know. That Christ died and rose again. And that He offers as a gift eternal life to anyone who would believe in Him. After last week's lesson, we should all know what the Gospel is. We should know where to find the Gospel. We should know what the response is. And we should know several, re- several places to see what the response is that we can take people to. And we should know what the offer is. And in order to evangelize people, that's what we need to know. And so, let me ask you this. Can a new believer share the gospel or evangelize to other people? Yes. Yeah. Can a new believer teach a Bible study? Probably not. Probably not. If they're a new believer and they haven't been in the Word and, you know, they don't know the deeper things of God's Word, they probably can't teach a Bible study. But a new believer can, can share the gospel because the gospel is simply put, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You believe in Jesus Christ for what He's offering. What's He offering? Eternal life. And so, you know, it's, it's a basic message. But to be able to teach a Bible study, you've got to know some of the Bible. And if you just became a believer and you haven't been in church and you haven't studied the Bible, then it'd be hard for you to teach a Bible study. Um, and so... We have to learn and we have to be taught in order to be able to teach other people. But that can come very quickly. You could be a new believer and just believed um, at the beginning of this class and 14 weeks down the road, you should have plenty of information to turn around and teach somebody else. So don't use that as an excuse. Well, I'm just not far enough down the road to teach, to teach anybody yet. Number three is we don't care. And the truth is, is pray that we'll see the spiritual needs of people through God's eyes. Pray we will see the spiritual needs of people through God's eyes. And prayer is the key. Pray for opportunities and they'll come. And like I said earlier, not only are they separated from God forever whenever you don't share the gospel with them, but they're separated from you forever. And so... Sometimes, like we were saying here, you know, that you're afraid you're going to rock the boat or you're afraid, you know, that you'll make an enemy or, or something like that. Um, you know, I, I'm just good friends. And me and Ashley, we're good friends here. And, you know, and I know she's not a believer, but, man, I just I, I care about this friendship, so I'm just not going to tell her. And this friendship is only going to last how long? If, if at best, it may last 75, 85 years. But if we, if we share the gospel with her, then how long is that relationship going to last? It's going to be forever. It's, it's eternal. And so we don't worry about the short-term relationship. We worry about eternal relationship. Our, our focus is not on the temporal things of this world, but on the eternal things. Colossians chapter 3. We set our minds on the things above, not on the things of the earth. The things of the earth are temporal. The things that are eternal, God, His people, and His Word, that's what our focus needs to be on. So, any thoughts, comments, questions, any issues that that you guys have or anything else that's up here that you want a better explanation or response to.
What do you do if you think that you're ready to talk to somebody, but then you freeze? You can't get yourself to do it yet. You just walk away and try to get another day or what? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, but I mean, I think if you, you know, if, if you've got a Bible with you, if you've got, um, you know, your phone that has a Bible on it, um, and you stand before somebody, I mean, one thing that you got to remember is, you know, you've got that power inside of you, you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you, that spirit of timidity, back to that Second Timothy 1-7, God hasn't given you that spirit of timidity, that spirit of fear that's not from God and so whenever you stand before him you freeze up you just you have to I mean I think take that step of faith and and begin to speak and um, and I mean it just you know you can take a regular everyday conversation and get it going in that in that way and then as you as you get build up your confidence in, in speaking to them, then you can change the regular everyday conversation into a life-changing conversation. I also pray for moments to share with them too. Like pray for that person if you know you're going to meet somebody like, or if you're going to be around for a while. Like I don't know. That seems to work for me. Like Just pray. And exactly. And that's what I see. Or the opportunity. Like and then you'd be surprised that every time it's worked for me, like yeah. God just makes the opportunity pretty obvious. Exactly. Hey, hey, that's all right. And that's what that is so true. I mean, it all begins with prayer, and uh, if we're praying according to God's word and God's will, and God's word and God's will says that we are to share the gospel message, and God's will is for all people. To, to believe and so um, if that's what we're praying for then you know those opportunities will arise and many times those opportunities are right there knocking on the door they're blasting at the door but yet we just have on our earmuffs and we're like man God I just wish you'd give me an opportunity and they're sitting there yelling and asking you but yet, you know, you're you're muffled to it because you don't want to do what you know you're supposed to do. And so, all right. So, how can we prepare ourselves for sharing our faith? A there says by learning several ways of presenting the gospel. And we're just going to list these. We're going to look at the first one tonight. And then next week, we're going to look at three different ways. But tonight, number one, we're going to look at sin slash salvation, God's good news story. Sin slash salvation, God's good news story. Number two is the bridge. We're going to look at that, and I really like that because it's a great visual method. If you have somebody that's real visual, or if you're a real visual person, it's something that you can draw out on a piece of paper, on a napkin, or something like that, and you can show people, you know, this side, man's side, versus God's side, and how it all comes together through Jesus Christ. And then number three is John 3.16. 
So we call it the one verse method, but you just use John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible, and we just use that one verse to share the gospel with people. And then number four is our testimony. And so we're going to talk about how do we write out our testimony, and not just because there's many types of testimonies, but specifically our salvation testimony. So how do we write out our, our testimony in such a way that we can use it to be a witnessing tool to people? And I really love our testimony. Whenever you get it written out in the right way and everything, it's one of the best ways that I think that we can use um, to witness to our family and friends because it's not so much of, okay, let me pull out my Bible and let me show you this verse and that verse and this verse and that verse. It's that we use our story. And, you know, the people that are around us, they're willing to listen to our story. I've got a story to tell you about one of the greatest events in my life. Man, what is it? What is it? And then you can tell them about the day that you believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life and that you knew you were saved and saved forever. And... Um, and so it just makes it a lot easier way to, to share with people. And we'll talk about how to do that and uh, give everybody the opportunity to, to do that. And some people get excited and most people are like, oh, no, I have to do that. But it is, it's a great way. And so those are the four methods that we're going to be looking at. And um, But starting tonight, we're going to talk about the sin, salvation, God's good news story. So, but first, what do we need to do? We need to learn some questions when taking a conversation to, to from basically an everyday conversation to a life-changing conversation. That's what I like to say. How do we take an everyday conversation and change it to a life-saving conversation? So, talk to me here for a minute. What are some ways that we can take an everyday conversation and change it to a life-saving conversation? What's some things that we can do? A lot of times I'll credit like the good things that are happening in my life, not because of like what I've done, but because I have God. Okay, that's a great, great. So giving credit to God for the good things that are going on in my life, it's not me that's making all this happen, but it's God. I like to use the illustration of the free gifts. Like, you know, we always talk about the car wash example. Like, you'll wash somebody's car and they owe you something. Oh, yeah. But if you're just, you know, what a gift is versus uh, work. So okay. I like to use that. So talking to people and just telling them the difference between a gift and works and how that relates to what God is offering. Probably not a good idea to use what <clears throat> the way I was saved. But my sister sat there and said, "Well, you're going to hell," and so I ran to Mama and said, "Mama, you know," and that's how I got saved. <laughs> I was scared. To scared death. to death. <laughs> so you got life because you're scared to death. There you go. I think mine's nature. I can always find God in nature and it's easy to be like wow look at that sunset that's a gift from God and it's just there always you know yeah so looking at things in nature and, and being able to 
to portray God as, you know, the creator of those things and giving us these gifts of the beauty and everything that's there. Those are some great ideas. Um, you know, one of the big things that I, that I think about is what happens on Monday morning whenever you go to work, go to school? What do people ask you? What'd you do over the weekend? What'd you do this weekend? What do we always tell them? Friday night I did this, and Saturday I did this, and Saturday night I did that, and now it's Monday. But yeah, what could we do? Man, I went to church on on Sunday morning, and, and our pastor JB was, was teaching um, in our grow group time about these sayings of Peter and, and some of the things that he said were, you know, so crazy and off the wall but you know when Jesus asked him who he was he said he's the Christ the son of the living God you know and so you can use that as a lead-in to an opportunity to share the message but we always talk to people about Friday and Saturday what we did but man what what a difference it make if we led with what the most important thing is that we did all week same thing, like I said, we can use tonight as a, as a great opportunity, tomorrow, the next day, you know, telling people, man, on Wednesday night, you know where I was? I was in this class with this great teacher. <laughs> and, uh, but what we've been doing is we've been looking at ways to share the gospel message. And uh, he's asking us to practice on people. So can I practice on you? Um, how to share the gospel message and you can use that as an opportunity to share the gospel message because a lot of times people are willing to help you I don't want you to talk to me about Christ but I'm willing to help you um, if you if you want to talk about Christ so you can be more prepared for your class I'm willing to help you and do that but don't talk to me about Christ but what are you doing well you're, I'm talking to you about Christ and so so um, use those opportunities. You know, another great question, if, if you're talking to somebody that is more of a religious type person, you know, we said up here that there's everybody around us is all Christians, everybody goes to church, so everybody's saved. But, you know, you can just go up to somebody and say, do you think a person can know for sure that they're going to heaven or that they can know, that a person can know for sure that they have eternal life because there's a lot of people who say no you know that there's not a way that you can know for sure because what do they think comes back on me well I've got to live good in order to know for sure and I just I, right now I'm not living good or, uh, you know, I just can't know how I'm going to live a couple of years from now. And so that's a great way to talk to those people who are religious or who go to church all the time to see if they do know for sure that they have eternal life, to see for sure if they are saved. And so a lot of good ideas, a lot of good thoughts, um, but let's write them down, let's put them into action Let's don't just have them as thoughts and ideas. So in your book there, question number one, once you basically kind of do some of the things that we were just talking about, and once you get that person to a spiritual aspect, the question you want to ask them is, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? If you were to die today, would you go to heaven? 
And there's multiple answers that can come from that. There's people who will say, yes, I will for sure. And if they say, yes, I will for sure, then what should our next question be? How do you know? Exactly right. How do you know you're for sure? Because what are some answers that they may give you? I've been good. I go to church. I give. I give. I love that answer. (laughs) (laughs) Just make sure you keep them coming in. My parents go to church. My parents go to church. So it's dependent on them, you know. I I don't really go, but my parents do, so I'm covered by them. So there's a lot of a lot of answers that people will give. What's the right answer? I believe in Jesus. Christ for eternal life. Exactly. We believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I know I'm going to heaven because I believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life. I've got life, and I'm going no matter what. And that's what the Bible says. So one. A or 1B or 1 parenthesis or something out beside there. Um, the question, if they give you the, the answer that yes, I'm, I'm going to heaven, um, but they give you the wrong response, you can ask them if what you thought, or let me say it like I got it, if what you believe were not true, would you want to know? If what you believe were not true, would you want to know? So that's not number two, but it's kind of 1A or something out there. So if they give you the, the yes, I'm going to heaven. Why? Because I go to church every Sunday. Because I, I got uh, baptized as an infant, so I know for sure I'm going, going to heaven. And, um, you know, if that answer is not true, would you want to know? If what you believe were not true, would you want to know? And then you take them to the final question, which I'll give to you in a minute. And it's the same question that we come to if somebody says, no, I wouldn't go to heaven. And that question number two is, would you let me show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you can have eternal life? Would you let me show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you have eternal life. Would you let me show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you have eternal life? So any thoughts, comments, and questions before we get to the gospel presentation itself? So you ask them, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And the answer may be yes, no, maybe. Based off of how they answer that yes, then you may have a follow-up question. But then finally we get to question number two. Would you let me show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you have eternal life? So, with that, we take them to how do we present the gospel? And A there is sin, salvation, God's good news story. So we're going to look at sin, salvation, God's good news story. We want to tell the person we have God's good news story, and that will begin 
with our problem. So we begin with the problem. And what is the problem? We've all sinned. Exactly right. All have sinned. The verse that goes with that is what? Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23. You guys are on the ball. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Some of us may be not be as bad as others, but we're all bad people because there's no one good but God. And so God is the only one who's good. And so we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The illustration there is the Grand Canyon. You know, we can go up to the Grand Canyon and uh, I can throw a rock and I may be standing right here and I can only throw a rock from here to the wall. But Blaine, he, he's, a, he's a lot bigger and stronger than me, so he may be able to throw the rock to the end of the building that distance. But if we're standing in front of the Grand Canyon, where's my rock going to end up? At the bottom. Where's his rock going to end up? At the bottom. So all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And there's no way for us to make it from one side to the other on our own. And so we have a problem. We've fallen short of the glory of God because we've all sinned. And then the, the problem, the bad news, it gets worse. And that is the wages of sin is what? Death. death. Is that B? That's B, yeah. Wages of sin is death. The verse that goes along with that is what? Romans... 6.23? 6.23, exactly right. Romans 6.23. And the truth is, you know, this is where J.B. was before he heard the gospel message. He knew that he had sinned and he had fallen short of the glory of God. And he thought that the wages of sin was do good. If you do a bad, you do a good, and that pays for the bad. And you better just have a few goods to the, in the credit in your credit account in case you do some bads. And then that way, if if God were to take you at any point in time, then then you're paid up. You're on the good side, and and you'll get to be with God. But then he stumbled into that Bible study, and they shut shut the door on him, and. Uh, he heard that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he's like, yeah, I know that. I, I know I mess up all the time. And then he heard the wages of sin is death. And he's like, death? I thought the wages of sin was to do good. And so he began to listen. And he began to hear what the next thing is. And that is that Christ died for us. And so that's a part of the solution. Let's go back to the illustration though because I left that out on the, on the last thing. And the illustration there is the one that Ryan gave a while ago um, of, of a gift versus works. And so if I say, hey, I've got a gift for you. Here's, a, here's $5 and it's a gift. In order for you to get it though, you need to go wash my car. Is that a gift? No. No, it's what? It's a wage. And so a wage is anything that you earn. And we, through our sin, we earned death. And so we owed God death. But the good news is, the solution is, is that Christ died for 
us. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates His own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so that verse right there is showing that Jesus Christ came to be our substitute. You know, it's like J.B. thought. The wages of sin is death. I can't afford to pay that. I, I, can't, I can't pay that payment. And so what did Jesus do? He came and made that payment for us. He stepped into our place and He died in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made Him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So Christ, again, became our substitute. It's just like the illustration of, of a substitute in a, in a ball game. You know, the wide receiver, he goes out and he runs a 50-yard pattern. He comes back and they send him out to run another 50-yard pattern. Then he comes back and he send him out to run a 35-yard pattern. What's he doing? He's like, Coach, take me out. I need a break. And I need to rest. And so what does the coach do? He sends him in a substitute. Well, that's what happened to us. The wages of sin is death. We couldn't afford to pay that payment. That was too much for us to handle, too much that we could do. And so God sent a substitute in His Son, Jesus Christ, and He died in our place. So good news. But the good news gets even better. In that B there says you can be saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You can be saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Verses that go along with that. John 3.16 Ephesians 2.8-9 Galatians 2.16 Go to Old Testament. Genesis 15.6 Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Romans 4.5 John 6.47 John 5.24 That list of verses that I gave you on the green sheet. I mean there's verses after verses that show that we can be saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. And the illustration there is a gift. The gift is something that's given freely. We don't do anything for it. If we have to do anything for it, then it's no longer a gift. If I just say, hey, here, here's today. I just want to give this to you. And it's a gift. You didn't do anything for it. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It's a gift. If you have to wash your car in order to get the gift, it's no longer a gift. It's a wage. We give gifts a lot of times. Birthdays are, are a better illustration because at Christmas time, if somebody gives us a gift, what do we do? Oh my, i got to go get them a gift. You know, they gave me a gift, so i, I got to give them one back. But if it's your birthday and you receive a gift and a lot of times you're like okay thank you I don't feel like I have to go give you something back because it's my birthday and so that's why you're giving it to me so do we all understand is that something that you could do it's something that 
you have to use several different verses um, to get through it. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, John 3.16, or Ephesians 2.8-9, or John 5.24, a bunch of those verses at the end that you could use to show people that it's by faith. But it is a good illustration that we got some bad news, but God's got some good news. And the good news just gets better because it is a gift. So in summary, we've all sinned. We'll all be separated from God forever. However, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who died and rose on the third day for us, paying for our sins. Therefore, all who believe in Him have eternal life. We are saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Thoughts, comments, questions. Yeah. Can you give a the, the solution A and B again? Um, solution A is Christ died for us. Okay. And B is you can be saved, be saved by believing Jesus Christ for eternal life. What was the illustration for the first one? The second one was the gift. You, you skipped A, I think. I skipped A. Substitute, yeah. The ball game. Like yeah, the ball game, sending in a substitute in the ball game. Was the verse 2 Corinthians 5.21? Um, Romans 5.8, 2 Corinthians 5.21 was another one I gave, yeah. B is you can be saved by believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You can be saved by believing in Christ for eternal life. Everybody get it all? Alright, any other... All right, let's talk about understanding faith. What is faith? Hope of things not seen. That's Hebrews 11.1. 1. Conviction of things not seen. But what is faith in, in just simple layman's terms? That'd be a faith in an object. <laughs> Trust Putting your trust in It's taking God at His word. So faith is taking God at His word. God says, I'm going to give you what? So what do we have? Take Him at His word. Believe it. <laughs> okay. So if, if He says we have eternal life, whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. If we believe in Him, then what do we have? Eternal, eternal life. life. Exactly right. So it's just taking God at His word. Okay. And the word for believe and faith, uh, you know, they're interchangeable because like Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace you've been saved through faith. That word for faith is the same word for believe. Um, and so we believe in Jesus Christ. We have faith in Christ. Those can be used interchangeably. Um, but the key in faith down there, number two, the key in faith is the object. Not the quantity or quality, but the object. 
The key in faith is the object, not the quantity or quality, but the object. The object of our faith is what? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Exactly right. So we can have all the faith that we want to in Buddha, but that's not going to save us. We can have all this quality of faith, quantity of faith, in something that is not Christ, and it's not going to save us. We can have all the quality and quantity of faith of going to church every Sunday, but going to church every Sunday is not going to save us. The object of our faith is Jesus Christ. We can believe all that we want to that Jesus Christ died, but that doesn't save us. We can believe all that we want to that Jesus rose from the grave, but that doesn't save us. The key is the object of our faith, and the object of our faith is the person. Jesus Christ did those things, and that's what makes Him able to give us eternal life. And so we're placing our faith in Him, in the person, to give us what He's promising, what He's offering, and that is eternal life. So does that make sense? So the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. We believe in Jesus Christ to get eternal life. So we finish up our presentation of the gospel. And the final question we ask them is, is there anything stopping you from believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Is there anything stopping you from believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Is there anything stopping you from believing in Jesus Christ for eternal life? Because some people, you know, they'll say things like, yeah, I'm just not ready to change my life. I'm just having too much fun right now. Partying, hanging out with different people, doing the wrong things, and so I'm just not ready. But is that what we told them? You don't have to change your life in order to be saved. You have to do what? Be saved to change your life. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Be saved to change your life. That's right. You believe in Jesus Christ and you're saved. And so it's not about lifestyle change in order to be saved. It's about believing in Christ in order to be saved. You can't change your life without being saved. You don't have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you to empower you to live the Christian life. Um, you know, you got the world, the flesh, the devil, you got the body, the soul, uh, the conscience, and the flesh, and all of these things that are, that are fighting against you, but you don't have anything fighting for you. And when you believe in Jesus Christ, then you get the things that begin to fight for you and fight with you and fight them off. And so, it's not about getting your life right in order to be saved. It's about believing in Jesus Christ. And so, that's where we have to clear up that confusion. Because a lot of times, people are listening, but they're not hearing what we're saying. 
And so we have to be ready to, to explain what it is that we just said to them as well. So take the list of people in this class. I gave it to you a couple of weeks ago that has everybody that's in the class. I encourage you over this week, take that list of people and, um, and look at who, who those people are. Be praying for those people this week that they would have an opportunity. So some of us are too scared to pray for the opportunity for ourselves. Guess what? There are going to be other people in here that are praying for you to have the opportunity to share your faith with somebody this week. And so be looking for the opportunities. When the opportunities arise, um, take those opportunities. Like I said, use tonight's class and this sin, salvation, God's good news story. Practice it on other people. Use that as your, your way in to, to be able to share the gospel. But be praying for opportunities for yourself. Be praying for opportunities for each one of us in this class. And like I said um, at the very beginning, you know that there's been several people who've done that, who've used this opportunity, who've used the the way in, like I'm saying, that, you know, I just want to practice on you. And they've led people to faith in Christ. And some of them have even joined the class after um, hearing the gospel. And so, uh, anyway, I just encourage you to do that because we know we all have the responsibility to do it. We all have at least one method now. After next week, we'll have three more methods that we can use. Um, to share our faith with other people as well. So, anything else? All right, let's look at the summary here. Number one is, we have the responsibility to tell others of God's salvation plan. We have the responsibility to tell others of God's salvation plan. We have the responsibility to tell others of God's salvation plan. Number two, we must overcome fear. Apathy and lack of knowledge so we can share our faith. We must overcome fear, apathy, and lack of knowledge so we can share our faith. Number three, the good news message deals with the problem of sin. The good news message deals with the problem of sin and God's good news of His Son Christ. And God's good news of His Son Christ. The good news message deals with the problem of sin and God's good news of His Son, Christ. Number four, 
we proclaim clearly that salvation is by believing in Jesus for eternal life. We proclaim clearly that salvation is by believing in Jesus for eternal life.